0: Welcome back into the Card Chronicle Podcast. Mike Rutherford and Danny Sinard here on Tuesday, April 6th. It's the morning after the uh, men's national championship game. Baylor, champions of the 2020-2021 men's college basketball season. Uh, we got plenty of stuff to talk about. We're going to get to all the latest uh, Louisville basketball developments. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about the tournament, a little bit about the season overall, and what we witnessed last night. But Before we do any of that stuff, Gotta say, welcome into Dan up in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Dan, how are you? How was the Sonard family Easter over the weekend? It was good. It went off without
1: a hitch. Didn't have a, a ton of breakdowns. The kids had a good time. So uh, everything starting to look up. I'm a little sad that the tournament is over. It was a great tournament. We can get into that, but. The Reds are three and one. They're swinging the bat well. <laughs> not going to lie. I'm already dreaming of October. I do this every year. I know they're going to break my heart in the summer, but, um, yeah, weather's turning. So things are on the up and up.
0: If you were scoring at home, it was the 44 second mark of the podcast. <laughs> the first, the first Reds mentioned from Dan here as we enter the. Us casually dipping in, uh, like putting in Reds' information into the pod portion of the calendar year. We're, we're, we're here now. We're, we're back.
1: Uh, no. I know.
0: I, I try to refrain, but
1: they've started the year so bad, like three years in a row. So three and one feels like, you know, they're in first place in August to us, really.
0: You you did not try to refrain at all. I, I was I'm, talking with my father-in-law about this like a month ago, who's actually a diehard Reds fan as well. You do this every single year. Where at the I'm end, of, sorry, at the end of the past season, you're like, never a fucking again. Like, like th- that's the last time. They're never bringing me in. And then, like, while the rest of us are pissed off about the off-season moves, you around like March fifteenth are like, you know what? I'm looking at this <laughs> lineup, and like, I, I, when you look at the rest of the division, like, who's who's scaring you? And then you do this, and then usually we'll start off kind of okay, and you'll talk yourself into us being better than than we actually are. And then come like May fifteenth, you're like, get these fucking losers out of my face. Every single year, that's just how it works.
1: I mean, I'm a sucker. I can't help it. I I, uh, I I bleed red, not only in college basketball but baseball too. But it's a long season. I'm I'm putting my hat on. I'm ready to go.
0: And then like you know, we'll be eighteen and thirty-five, and they'll win two in a row, and you're like, you know, when you look at the the rest of the schedule. <laughs> If we can just take three or four from Pittsburgh next week, we're we're only eight and a half back in the wild card. Like it's hey, just- we
1: started awful last year and end up making the playoffs. I may have lost faith around like the eighth or ninth game, but I got back in soon. So,
0: and um, but let's talk about something that you were right about, which is you picked the Baylor Bears to win the men's tournament. You were correct about that. I, I took Gonzaga going into last night's game. I was. I went on this uh, the Bed IQ show that I've been doing, and they were like, "Do you feel differently about tonight's game after what we saw on Saturday?" And I was like, "Yeah, I mean, you know, you can't just overlook the performance that Baylor had against Houston, and also the fact that you know, as good as the game was, Gonzaga pushed the brink by an 11 seeded UCLA team. It's a little bit of it was a little bit of a red flag, but certainly I, I did not see the thorough ass kicking that we saw from start to finish last night by the Baylor Bears." Uh, just your overall thoughts on on Baylor, the national title game last night, and kind of the I guess the lasting legacy of this 2021 NCAA tournament.
1: First off, I can tell from the background noise that baby Virginia was not a fan, <laughs> not a fan of Gonzaga losing either. Shout out, what's up, Virginia? How? Um, yeah, podcasting. It's it's 2021. But anyways, uh, I I don't know. I, I just watching Baylor during the year, like, before, even before the COVID pause, they just looked different to me, and um, I'm not saying I was downplaying how good Gonzaga was. There was just a a level of physicality that Baylor played with that I didn't see from Gonzaga, especially on the defensive end, but with that being said, there's no way I could have predicted a a 16-point just thorough romping that, that Baylor had, and I mean, credit to our guy Scott Drew. I mean, they looked not only like have, you know, not only was the team full of great athletes, they looked really well coached. They were prepared every single game. And I mean, they, they made the tournament look almost like a cakewalk. So you can do nothing but tip your cap to them. And, um, I, maybe they don't have the name players besides a Davion Mitchell that, some of these great past champions have had, but I would rank him up there as one of the better teams I've seen in the last, you know, 20, 25 years.
0: I like that you went to Mitchell and not the first team All American in Jared Butler. <laughs> I know. I, Mitchell
1: just is kind of, to me, I think he's the MVP. I think he oh, makes with, everything happen.
0: He's, it's kind of like a, if you want to compare him to Gonzaga, where like Kispert and Timmy were the All Americans, but Jalen Suggs is the best player. Right. It's kind of, kind of the same deal butler's the all-american for baylor he makes the big shots but mitchell is he's that dude and he i saw uh, ricky o'donnell at ESPN put out his new mock draft and he said you know every single ncaa tournament there's one guy who's sort of the big draft stock winner and he thought it was davion mitchell for for this tournament and it's hard to blame him he was i mean maybe the best two-way player in all of college basketball this year but just the weird thing about last night's game to me it, it wasn't Shocking. Like, I thought Gonzaga was going to win a close game. It wasn't shocking that Baylor won. The way in which they won was certainly shocking. But you you kind of went into last night thinking, if Baylor wins this game, there's going to be this sense of, well, it just wasn't Gonzaga's night. If these two teams play uh, ten times, they probably both win five. Like, one of those type deals. Like, I'm not – like if, they, if these two teams played again tonight, I think Baylor would just kick the shit out of Gonzaga again. Like, just based on what we saw – and it was surprising to me only because it, this wasn't the first time that Gonzaga went up against, like, big, brawny, athletic dudes. I mean, Drew Timmy Drew Timmy cooked Evan Mobley, who's going to be the number right. two in the draft in the Elite Eight. And, and Isaiah Mobley, too, who's his brother, who's also really talented. And so I, I thought that Baylor's guards could get the best of Gonzaga's guards last night. I thought Timmy would dominate inside, to be quite frank, at least on offense. I thought he would score a bunch of points. And then, like a total idiot, I thought the biggest advantage for Gonzaga was going to be Corey Kispert. I didn't think Baylor had a four that could really stop the things that he does so well, and Kispert looked like deer in the headlights all night long, couldn't make an outside shot, couldn't do anything off the bounce. Um I don't know how he's a projected top 20 pick after that performance, but it was just like, I think Baylor's just better than Gonzaga, and maybe that's me overreacting to one game a little bit too much, but... Given what they did the entire tournament and given how they looked Monday night, I think it's it's fine to say Baylor, clearly the best team in the country, not just an NCAA tournament champion. It, It does remind me a little bit of, you know, this was the first time that the top two seeds had played for the national title since back in 05, where it was the collision course and it was Illinois versus North Carolina. And even though Illinois was the number one seed and had the better record and had been chasing perfection, like Carolina just looked better in the championship game. Yeah. It's kind of the situation here. Like I think Baylor was just, in the end, a better overall college basketball team than Gonzaga.
1: I completely agree. I don't think Gonzaga had
0: seen that
1: sort of physicality from a guard standpoint. I, I mean, at the beginning of the game, their guards, I mean, they had trouble even throwing the ball in the post. They usually, I mean, their offense is so free-flowing, and it seems like they get everything so easy, and Baylor just did such a nice job of disrupting everything and I mean, how many loose balls were there in like the first 15 minutes of the game that Baylor you know got a hand on or was diving on the floor and i I, I do think Gonzaga kind of found something there in the second half with the pick and roll. They were getting Timmy matched up on guards, but at that point it was too late. Um, you know, it was already a, a a fifteen to you know a ten to fifteen point lead pretty much throughout the game. Um, but, gosh, Baylor can just guard one through five so well. And then it, it just seems like on offense, Scott Drew did such a masterful job of getting mismatches. And any time they got Timmy isolated, it didn't matter who it was. They were taking him off the dribble. And, I mean, it just opened up so many things. And you could tell when Gonzaga went to zone, it was almost out of desperation because yeah. Baylor's a tough team to zone. I mean, they can make shots from one through you know one through four on the floor. So at that point, I knew Mark Few was was grasping for straws. But just just a dominant performance overall.
0: Have you ever seen a big man who looked more clueless on how to defend the pick and roll than Drew Timmy last night? It was, it was bad. I mean, I mean it but... was like he had no. Sense of what you're supposed to do. He, he's like, oh, I'm I'm supposed to stay with the big man who's wide open under the basket, or I'm so. He, I mean, he made he made Stephen Enoch look like Bill fucking Russell. Like it was <laughs> it was so bad, and it was all night, and it was so obvious that Scott what Scott Drew was doing. And you're right when Gonzaga when Gonzaga went to zone, it felt like in a football game where the team has to pull out the trick play. Like, when Ford did the like the fumble ruski against us in the Sugar Bowl, and you're like, oh, you're already that desperate. That was Gonzaga going to zone last night, and that's when you knew they were in trouble. I mean, Timmy, for as good as he is on offense, just completely clueless last night defensively, and, and Baylor took full advantage. We should also mention, I know we've talked about this on the pod before. I think I tweeted it out at one point over the last couple of weeks. We basically made Baylor happen. Like, okay. uh, It's
1: unbelievable.
0: They tried everything. I know they had a little bit of success before this. They went to the Elite Eight um, in 2010, lost to Duke when Duke won the title. They lost to uh, Kentucky in 2012 when Kentucky won the title in the Elite Eight. But still, Baylor had this thing where they were getting a bunch of five-star kids that ended up being kind of okay and went to the NBA, and it, it wasn't working for them. Scott Drew changes philosophies. He does kind of the Jay Wright thing at Nova where he's like, I'll get some really talented kids, but mostly I'm going to build my program around two- and three- and four-year college players. Some transfers tossed in there as well. But it wasn't working at him, for him at a very the highest of levels until the 2016 Battle for Atlantis title game when I had spent the entire week on the radio just talking absolute shit about him, just, just completely eviscerating this man. And then I watched from Gerstle's, as Baylor turns a 22 point deficit into a uh, battle for Atlanta's title, that was the moment where Baylor became a national player. Am I saying congratulations to the 2021 Louisville Cardinals for winning the national title? Kind of, like twenty I'd say like 23 percent of that title belongs to us. And if we want to hang a banner in the gym UM for it, then absolutely, we we did this, Dan.
1: We really did, and it wasn't just the way, like you know, that they came back. The way they came back from a 22 point deficit. I remember thinking, I'm like, good God, these guys like have some absolute dudes on their team. Like some of their dunks, like I just wasn't used to to that when I, I what were we in the Big East or ACC at that time? I don't really remember. Um, yeah, crazy. but I, I like don't even remember going up against teams with with that sort of athleticism and the way they came back and were just dunking all over us. Uh, but you're right. I mean, to that point, uh, he was. I don't want to say he was a laughing stock, but. With, you know, with kind of the way they recruited five stars, we're like, is this shady? He never did anything in the tournament. Um, to what I saw last night, I mean, what a one eighty! And I have nothing to do
0: but put my foot in my mouth. I mean, first of all, let's be real; like it, it was totally shady for a while. Then. Yeah, like that was what Baylor was doing. And um, the most infamous story again, we say saved, I, I save the good stuff for the podcast. If you listen to the podcast, you get rewarded. I'll never forget Rick Patino, and again, believe the source however much you want to believe the source. But the most maybe the most infamous recruiting trip that he ever had was when Deuce Bello and Quincy Miller, who everybody knew they were a package deal, when they came to Louisville and this is a, again, according to Pitino, you know the, the business is going fine. they're getting along with teams, they played some pickup. The, the two kids go into the office together, and it's just them, no parents, no handlers, no whatever. And Patino's, like, kind of laying out his vision, and in the middle of it, they're like, here's what we need. This is what we want to come to school here. Like, just straight up asking for, like, totally illegal stuff, being like, this is our, these are our demands. And they got sent home. Like, you, you can fact check that. There was never a reason given, but the Deuce Bellow-Quincy Miller recruiting trip was cut short at Louisville. That was the end of it. And three days later, they committed to Baylor, and uh, everybody knew what was happening. Everybody knew what was going down. And then Scott Drew kind of sort of – I know I made the Jay Wright comparison, um, but Jay Wright was getting five-star kids. It wasn't working out for him. He changed philosophies. But Florida State under Leonard Hamilton, he kind of did the same thing where it was for a while there, one or two five-star kids. People were wondering how you're getting them. The team's okay. The kid's great but it's not translating into the highest level of success. And they've kind of gone away from that a little bit in recent years, and that's definitely the same thing with Baylor. But all that stuff aside, like the the 08 to 2012 recruiting for Baylor, it's one of the, and I know a billion people have written the same story over the last 24 hours, but it's it's one of the best rebuilding stories in the history of sports. Not just that Baylor basically sucked for decades when Drew got there, but again, You had a player murdering another player and the head coach trying to essentially cover it up or at least cover up the the cheating that had been taking place. If you're not familiar with the story, you can look it up. But one player killed another player. The player who was murdered had been not on scholarship but had had a bunch of money somehow, was driving a nice car, was staying in a nice place. And it turns out that Dave Bliss, the Baylor coach, had just been paying this dude to try and save a scholarship. And when he realized that this was going to come out, he started trying to get assistants and players to paint the murdered player as a drug dealer, and that was going to explain where his money came from. Uh, he ended up getting taped by an assistant and was uh, understandably fired into the sun, figuratively. But that yeah. was that was what Scott Drew walked into. And as much as we made fun of him over the years, and, and as much as the shady stuff seemed to be happening for a period of time, you can't. It's unbelievable that they could be two decades removed from that and winning a national title. When when they played the quote of his introductory press conference last
1: night, all I could think about was, like, I wonder what the media members were thinking when he was like, I came here to win a national title, like, a week after a coach had been fired for covering up a murder of a program. It had to seem like just the most absolute far-fetched idea or, you know, even on the radar moment um, in an introductory press conference history. But – uh yeah, uh, from from now on, uh you know he's a national champ, so he's always gonna have the last word. It'll be interesting to see how he recruits going forward, because you would think this would open the door back up to getting some big time five star recruits, or does he kind of same you know stay with the same style of finding maybe some transfers or or lower end recruits that maybe better fit his system. So. Um, I don't know. I, I I feel like the way I the team came together and how good they looked. It, it, it seems like that might be a culture that college basketball is going to have to deal with for at least the next three to five years for a team that might be contending year in
0: and year out. Yeah, a lot of people were tossing out the sass going into the Final Four about you know all these players in the transfer portal, but look at the last. Fifteen national champions are the last however many Final Four teams. And look at how few transfers were on those rosters and started. Well, Baylor played eight guys last night, big minutes. Four of them were transfers. I think this is the it's the wave of the future. I mean, hell, you're, there are a billion kids in the transfer portal right now. Virtually every good team in college basketball next year is going to be relying on multiple transfers. Louisville certainly going to be in that boat. Um, it, it's the way it's going to be, at least until they shore up some new transfer rules. And we don't need to debate the, the pros and the cons of all that. It's been done everywhere else. But um, it's it certainly, I, I think, this is going to be the first champion. It won't be the last champion that's this reliant on transfers. Let, <laughs> let me ask you this. Oh, we both Did, said the exact same thing.
1: Go, oh, go. ahead. <laughs> does, does UCLA give a better game last night than Gonzaga, a more competitive game? Probably. I mean. I think so, too. I, I think Mick would have had. I think they're more physical than Gonzaga, and I, I think Mick would have – not that I, Mark Few is a, a bad coach by any means, but, I mean, Mick just – he coached his ass off in the tournament. I think he would have had something up his sleeve for Gonzaga to at least keep
0: it close. Who is more mad about the state of things right now? Well, I, 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 I don't even think there's that question. Cincinnati fans, how upset are they right now with everything <laughs> – I mean, their program is in flames. And the guy who couldn't get them past the first weekend ever, well, he won Sweet 16 appearance, that was it. But they were always a low-seeded team. They always flamed out early. They were annoyed that how consistent he was because they wanted to get over the hump and beat the. He goes to UCLA, which is kind of a program in flux, in chaos. Final four. You. Like, like, that's just unbelievable. It's the,
1: the city of Cincinnati is cursed, like it really is. If you if you want to go back and look at all their teams, whether it's college basketball with Kenyon Martin and now the Mick Cronin thing, whether it's the Bengals, the Reds, I've never seen a more cursed sports city
0: in my life. It's yeah, it's unbelievable. Here's what I was gonna say when I when we both said, "Let me ask you this" at the exact same time, which was creepy. When you look back at this college basketball season, when we collectively look back at this college basketball season, what do you think people remember most? That's like such like a
1: Sports Center anchor question. I, like, <laughs> um, I I don't know. I mean, that's a tough one.
0: I, I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is, does Baylor winning does the Gonzaga story, does the the unreal game between Gonzaga and UCLA, does any of that overshadow just the level of – Unfortunately,
1: all- I don't think it does because that's okay. like – when you asked that question, that's the first thing that popped in my head was just the weird no fans or, you know, yeah. very little fans tournament Indianapolis season, which, I mean, it turned out – I mean, it didn't change – you know, the competitive basketball we saw in the tournament. But unfortunately, it's the first thing that popped in my head.
0: Yeah, when last night ended, and, you know, I watched One Shouting Moment, which was, uh, I mean, it felt like it was like 3 a.m. I don't know why the game starting at 9.20 is just absurd. But huh. the old man complaints here now. Um, when, when that ended, I immediately started thinking about, like, next season and how excited I am just to have a normal season. You know, the yeah. normal the normal preseason tournaments at the various locations, you not looking at a schedule, at a, at a game that's going to be played in three weeks and wondering if that game is actually going to happen. Like, just just getting like, – as cool as Saturday night was, and that's an all-time game, it's an all-time moment, it may have been the best game I've ever seen. But that shot that Jalen Suggs hit, it's it, – like, I don't think it's going to be as cool as the Chris Jenkins shot because there wasn't the fan reaction. You don't have, like, the, the Barkley going nuts behind the court. You don't have the security guard going nuts. You don't have the – the fans behind Jay Wright going nuts after he says boom. Like, you, you didn't have that moment. It, it's going to be unique in that regard, but I, it would have been so much better if you'd had a packed house just losing their minds for that entire game, and that's kind of how I felt the entire year. So I'm with you. I, I think we're going to remember Gonzaga chasing perfection. We're going to remember the Suggs shot. We'll remember Baylor just kicking the shit out of Gonzaga for the national title. But I think above all that, it's always going to be about about COVID and about the – just. Weirdness of the entire year, and I'm excited that we're finally going to be moving on from that. Um, all right, we we, we can, Speaking of moving on, let's go to more Louisville-centric stuff. Cards, uh, the, the women's team come up short in the NBA tournament again. They fall in the elite eight to Stanford. Uh, I was excited to kind of do some Final Four podcast and hopefully get excited about that. Um, but they get it going again this year. Two seed. You, you can't complain about being a two seed that loses to the overall number one seed. I know it was a little bit. Um it, it was disappointing to see them just blow a 12-point lead, see it whittled down. But Stanford, the real deal. The women's tournament was actually a lot of fun, and the ratings sort of reflected that. It was a, a good year for them. I, I, I felt like maybe it was because I didn't have as many duties on the men's side work-wise this year. I watched more of the women's tournament and had more fun. But uh, any overall thoughts there, Dan, on the end of the women's season and just the uh, the Final Four there in general?
1: I, well, congrats to them, first of all. I mean, there's, there's no shame losing to the overall winner. Um, I, I, you know, I think we all hate how the second half played out, but man, it just seems like Jeff Walls is right there and he's so close and you just know he's, it's going to, you know, they're going to get over the top one day. But, um, yeah,
0: congrats to them on a great season. There's nothing to really hang your head about. Yeah, I saw Haley Van Lith already doing workout. I think she, when all said and done, is going to be just like a mega star. I don't know if you saw the thing where if name, image, likeness was in place right now, if those rules were already in place, she'd have, she'd be like a millionaire because her. Yeah, of- I saw
1: she was like out
0: earning like pretty much all the male athletes as well. So
1: um that's that's really cool.
0: Yeah, she's. I think now with with Dana moving on, she's going to step up and be the alpha, and she'll be. I mean, she's going to be a superstar for the next three years. So that's going to be fun to watch. Um, on the the men's side, we have a new addition to the roster. Jared West from Marshall um, had been talked about a bunch in the days leading up to the commitment, but he makes it official. I think UofL made it official on Monday. Um, he's joining the team. 5'11 guard, good outside shooter, shot better than 40% from three last year, averaged about 12.5 points, is the all-time steals leader at Marshall, uh, a good defensive player, kind of interested in how he fits here. Did you have a – a, a, a extreme reaction one way or the other to this news, Dan? Um, it wasn't really a needle mover, is what <laughs> I'll say. Um, but I
1: don't know. It, it, I, you know, if Chris Mack thinks he's going to fit the system, that's great. I, I do like that he's the all-time SEALs leader because um, I, I do think we need perimeter defense. I'm not a fan of small guards. We've seen our guards shot over the top of, it seems like, for the last, like, four to five years. So um, I, I, I was hoping to maybe get some size there. But, you know, uh, there's – I can't dog the kid. I don't know anything about him, but we'll see how he fits into the
0: system. Yeah, I think he's – he's fine. Like, like he, he could wind up being a, a a key piece for next year's team. But I don't think he's – he can't be the key piece. He, he's not going to be a League Jones. I think best-case scenario – is that he's not a starter, and you're probably going to have to go out and land another transfer guard who is a starter if that's going to be the case. But I think that in an ideal world, he plays the Josh Nickelberry role on next year's team, but just plays it a whole lot better than Josh did this year. I know Josh was injured for stretches of the season, but he needs to be that guy who comes in, maybe plays 15, 20 minutes a night, can be a good defender, can knock down open outside shots, can create enough off the bounce to, to keep opposing defenses honest. And I think he can do that. He, he was good in the, in the pick and roll at Marshall. I think the issue now, though, is who's going to be the primary ball handler on this team? Is L, everything I've heard about LL is that he's a dynamic athlete. He shoots it well enough. But if he's going to be your primary ball handler, you're probably going to be in a little bit of trouble. Well, that's kind of seems like every guard that Louisville has right now, um, and, and, again, I'm, I'm saying this assuming that David Johnson is gone and Carly Jones. We'll talk about that a little bit later because everybody wanted to ask that question uh, on Twitter today. But if you don't have those two guys, I don't know who steps up and who's the primary ball handler. And some of the, the guards that Louisville's recruiting in the transfer market are the exact same way. Like, Rocket Watts, if he does come to Louisville – He's coming to Louisville specifically so he can play the two. Like, that's going to be his demand wherever he goes. He does not want to play point. He did not think he could play it at Michigan State, and he couldn't. He, he was yeah. – let's not beat around the bush. He was bad at, at Michigan State playing the point. He does not shoot it well. He – and I, I don't want to dive too hard on the kid because this is going to be a thing uh, if Rocket Watts does come here. I watched Michigan State condensed games over the weekend to try and change my perception of Rocket Watts, and it made it – even worse, if I'm just being frank here, his body language is bad, his decision making is bad, his defense got lazy, and I mean, you can say that that's just not a fit. It, it just, it, it's going to be different for him somewhere else. But man, a lot would have to change if Rocket Watts comes here and becomes a, a really productive player. He's got the ability, I and mean, he'll he'll have stretches where he looks like he's the best player on the floor, and he looks like he could be an NBA guy. He just is not consistent whatsoever, and that's. Uh, man, it's 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 a dynamic elements to, to put into your roster and hope that it works. But who knows? Uh, we we don't know how this whole thing's going to shake out. But uh, is there anybody or any news that you are, are kind of hoping to hear on on the transfer front, or have you even paid attention to that?
1: Uh, it's just so hard because there's just so many names out there. I mean, I, I I keep hearing about the the kid from Florida that would be a nice one to get. Um, his name's escaping me right now, but um, yeah and it seems like he would fit well, but I don't know, man. Not that I don't – I mean, I don't want to say this is taking away from college basketball, but it just feels different. Like, I just miss the days when you recruited and, you know, you could bring kids in and watch them develop, and now it just seems like it's like a free agency every offseason, and it's really hard – I mean, I can't throw out any predictions of who's going to be the primary ball handler or, you know, uh, what our team's going to look like next year because there's so many decisions that need to shake out, not just from our team, but in the transfer market as well. I mean, we could have half a new team by the by the time next year starts. We have no idea. So um, will it be, you know, fun by the time the season rolls around? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's always exciting seeing new guys. But um, to me – it. it Maybe I'm just old and curmudgy, but just it takes away a little bit from what college basketball is about.
0: Yeah, I saw the all the way-too-early top 25s came out last night. It's impossible. You just can't even – there's no way. I mean, I looked at all of them, and I was like, how are you doing this? And it, it's it's hilarious because they're all so different. Typically, you know, the top one, two, three teams are, are kind of the same. There's a lot of consistency across these and, like, like, I saw Andy Katz had UCLA, number one. I saw Jeff Goodman had uh, Gonzaga, number one. I don't think he even had UCLA, like, somewhere in the top. Like, it's just, everyone's going to be all over the place because nobody knows how these rosters are going to look right now. I mean, you look at – you're trying to predict Kentucky. You've got like, yesterday we found out Devin Askew is transferring. Like, you've got no idea who they're going to replace him with if, if Askew's transferring because they've got a, a big-time point guard coming in. You just – you don't know. And like you said, we have no idea what our roster is going to look like. Is another guy going to transfer? Is somebody else coming in? Can we add two or three more guys? What's Carly Jones going to do? It's just—it's all in such a state of flux, and it's definitely different. There's no question about it. And I think the the only question is now, is this a one-time deal because of of COVID and the the one-time transfer rule and the NCAA potentially changing its its transfer rules, or is this just the way it's going to be from now on? And I know that transferring has become – more and more, you know, common with seemingly with every year over the last decade. But this is a new level. I mean, this is, we've already, it
1: it has to be just a nightmare for coaches. Like, I can't even imagine trying to balance your scholarships and and filling out rosters and, you know, trying to have a feel for which kids on your team are going to transfer or who you're going to bring. I mean, there's just so much that goes on. I,
0: I can't even imagine trying to balance that. All right, let's. Uh, you all asked a bunch of quick questions. I want to get to as many as possible, so we'll move on. Before we do, reminding you guys, this podcast brought to you by Homefield Apparel. They've got UFL retro gear on their website. They've got a new 1980s national champion shirt that uh, I've got. It's awesome. They have the softest t-shirts, the comfiest hoodies, um, the best logos. They don't just slap on you know Louisville Cardinals or whatever college name across the chest and call it a day. They hear what the fans want to see on t-shirts. They make their gear specifically to fit the demands of those fans. And, again, if you use that promo code CardChronicle at checkout, it's going to save you 20% on your first purchase. Go to HomeFieldApparel.com. They're always adding new schools. They're always adding new looks. They don't have Kentucky, which is awesome. They do have a billion other schools, including Louisville, which is even better. And, again, CardChronicle at checkout. That will save you 20%. Big shout-out, as always, to Homefield HomeFieldApparel and HomeFieldApparel.com.
1: I have a HomeField field story so this on easter i was wearing my home field apparel very comfortable go card shirt um walking in the park behind my house and a 12 like his kid had to be 10 to 12 just zooms past me on his bike and drops a go cards i'm in columbus i i never get a go cards up here i gotta say my jaw hit the floor i was shocked i wanted to run after the kid and find him and like talk to him like it was like the most subtle he's like go cards and I was like, he just <laughs> rode off into the distance. I was like, wait, who are you? Come back! Um yeah, just yeah us right off. All, we we need ex- to talk. Exactly, but no, the the uh, the shirt must have stuck out. So um,
0: yeah. The summer I worked in Carroll, Iowa, at a newspaper when I was in college It was after my, my junior year. I was covering a high school baseball game, and again, this is like the western edge of Iowa. It's way out there. It's like a twelve-hour drive. And middle of nowhere, there's a girl wearing a Louisville Cardinals with Shively Sporting Goods on the back T-shirt at this high school baseball game. And I was like, I've got so many questions, but I also can't just walk up to like an eight-year-old girl and be like, hey, I like your shirt. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to let this one out. This is going to be a mystery. I'm never going to know. Uh, yeah, but I, I wanted to. I wanted to be like, where are you from? How it's is like, exactly where do you live?
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Nope, nope, can't do that. Big Dean fan. Uh, that was that was it. Um, that, that's my whole story. All right, let's get to these questions. We'll get to as many as possible. Um, sort of. I'll try to sum up the, the the questions that were asked seven or eight times by the same people. Um, the first ones about the assistants. Everybody wants to know what we're doing with the assistants. I do know, and I put it on the website last week. Louisville interviewed Kenya Hunter from Indiana, the assistant there. He's going to stay on staff now with Mike Woodson. Um, he was the first guy that Chris Mack really looked at. I know that there's been the buzz about John Brandon from Cincinnati potentially coming over here. I've got no idea if that's even still an option. I know he and Mack are, are really close, but I, I think that that has been kind of nipped in the bud. We'll see, though, if Brandon, who's now been, what, suspended while they continue to do this investigation, and two, again, him talking shit about all of his players and all of his players finding out about it. Um We'll see what happens there, but... I still would expect Khalil Fennell to get promoted to um, an, an assistant coach at some point And the other spot, your guess is as good as mine. So we'll find out about that. Josh Tech said, should Chris Mack hire Scott Drew to fill one of the assistant roles? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. We'll take it. Bring him on in. Brad Stevens, Scott Drew, rat out the staff. Uh, Alan says, how are you handling the DMX news? Not well. Not well. Man. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That, that's a rough one, man. I, I uh, I mean, We all know how popular he was, like, in late 90s, early 2000s. And then, unfortunately, it it seems like he kind of took a road down, uh, you know, a dark path. I've seen him on some, like, rehab shows on, like,
0: VH1. But um, this is X, man. He's got to live. Yeah, this is a pro-DMX podcast. We're, We're rooting for you. You've got this whole CC Podcast Nation behind you. Uh, Jacob Lane via uh, State of Louisville uh, says, "What makes more sense to you for 2021, adding a guard or adding a big man?" One, I would say it depends on what kind of guard, and also kind of depends on, on you know, what Carly does and exactly and can bring right. in. Can we, I think we go, we can all agree we need a big man. Yeah,
1: I mean, but I. I First off, I don't even know. I mean, I love Malik. I mean, we're talking about he's had a couple pretty big injuries. Um, so I mean, we're we're relying on him to stay healthy the whole year. Um, and then behind him, I mean, there's there's not a whole lot. We got our man Gabe, and then we're bringing in Roosevelt, who I mean, that your guess is as good as mine to you know how developed he's actually going to be, but. I I would be very comfortable bringing in another big guy, but like I said, I mean, if Carl Leek leaves, uh,
0: you know, a ball handler would be be nice as well. We also have J J. Trainer. We can't forget about him. He's yeah, I, I think really promising for the future. But would he be more comfortable playing a little bit of the four? I don't. Uh, who knows? I I think he's probably going to be a five here. But you're right. I mean, with Malik, how much can you really? We can't just assume he's going to be healthy for a full five month season. When he hasn't been healthy at all the last two years, and big men and feet injuries or foot injuries are they're tough. They tend to linger, and we've seen that firsthand. And then you said Roosevelt Wheeler, The guy hasn't played a full season in, since he was a sophomore in high school. He's had injuries himself. Who knows what you're going to be getting there? It's just I'd love to have another big man just to shore up there. And I know it would feel a little bit crowded because you're that's like six or seven post players, but. We need somebody we can rely on there. Let me. Uh, am I am I
1: dumb? Is JJ a five? I for some reason I I I always viewed him as a four. Maybe I'm just dead wrong about that. Uh, maybe it's just because of the range that he has. Um, I, I figured Chris Mack would put him at, at the four behind Jalen, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that.
0: I could see that happening. I, I think he'd probably, he probably he could be a natural fit there. I don't know. I, I don't know JJ Trainer and how he's used moving forward. Um, I think will be really interesting. It's also. If you're excited about JJ Trainer, be happy that Kenny Payne didn't get the DePaul job. I'll say that that would have been losing a guy who I who I really like and I'm really excited about to DePaul would have been a crushing blow for me personally. So uh, glad that, that would he- have hurt because I
1: like I'm very high on JJ like like maybe highest almost more than Jalen to be honest. I think this kid has so much room to grow.
0: By the way, shouts to DePaul for hiring like the dude at Oregon who was instrumental in bringing in the kids who all committed sexual assault. That was great work. Once again, covering yourself in glory. Uh, I'm always willing to listen, though. When This guy has a huge letdown in four years. Uh, I will take that job at 40. Uh, it'll be great. Nick Connor says, how many strokes does Jordan Spieth win by at the Masters? Oh, gosh.
1: I mean, me and you, we obviously, if you've listened to the pod in the past, you know we're on a fantasy <laughs> golf league. I mean, we, me and you have been discussing Jordan winning the Masters maybe like a month, a month and a half ago. And then, of course, he goes out this week and wins the Valero. So now at just about everyone in our league, I feel like he's going to be one of the favorites to pick. So um, I could definitely see it happening, but um, it, it'll be interesting to see uh,
0: how he plays this week. I feel like every, like every sport loves redemption stories. Golf more than any other. Well, like yeah. if you if you've been good at golf and then you kind of start sucking for whatever reason, like everybody who follows golf, everybody who likes golf is just desperate for you to make a comeback. Tiger was obviously the biggest example, but they do this all like Phil after he started sucking people. And now it's speed. Like people, people are just desperate to see this guy get back on top and I don't really understand it, but whatever. Um, I, I like speed. I'm fine with him. Um, JD Hartman says DJ or Carleek who comes next year? I, I'm not going to pretend to have any insight on what David Johnson is is thinking or saying because I don't. I'm still assuming that he's gone just because that's been the assumption for months now around Louisville. Um, so I, I'll be surprised if he comes back. With Carleek, all I can tell you is that everybody who who talks to him, everybody who knows him, everybody who's affected by this decision has all said the same thing. One day he's like, "I'm gone. I'm gonna I'm gonna make money even if I don't make it to the NBA. Like I'm ready to start getting paid." The next day he's like, I would love to take Louisville to the final four. Like nobody has any idea what he's going to do, but it does seem like he is genuinely torn. If I had to put, people always want to do this percentage type deal. I'll say 65% he leaves, 35% he comes back, but it's certainly like it's not. It's not outside the realm of possibility. There's definitely a world where Carly Jones is back at Louisville next year at 24-year-old senior point guard.
1: Do you know when they have to make these decisions by, just so I like don't have to stress? Because, I mean, I, I I would love for him to come back selfishly, obviously, but um I'll stop myself from worrying if like he doesn't have to
0: make the decision for like two more months. It's a long way away because they've moved the draft back again this year. Like The draft is going to be, I think, in July – Instead of June, so i I want to say and don't hold I don't have the information in front of me. don't hold me to this. I think it's like July first is, is the that, deadline that is
1: so hard on I know Chris Mack. I mean
0: like for
1: him to like if, if they do truly wait out the process and they decide to leave, I mean to have to scramble and and put your roster together that way. hopefully whatever he decides, whatever decision he makes, hopefully. You know, he, he gives the coaching staff some sort of signal or inkling what he's going to do. Um, so he, he doesn't put them in a bad
0: spot. It's all about the academics, Dan. It's all about the, uh, yeah, seriously, the student athletes. Uh, oh, Gil okay. Gilbert says, who wins the championship first, Donovan or Lamar? And then also says, since an NBA team isn't coming, how would an NHL team work in Louisville? And what would the team name be? Um I don't know if Donovan – or it's so hard to predict championships because, you know, does Donovan jump to another franchise at some point later in his career? Does Lamar do the same thing? I'd say, like, as of right now – and I know the Jazz have been so good this year, but I still feel like Lamar has a better chance. I mean, the NBA – Yeah, there's more parity
1: in the NFL with championships. The NBA, like, usually, like, I wouldn't say – like, there's a handful of teams that, that usually win it every, you know, 10 years or so.
0: And that's – I know that every single March there's this whole debate. I don't know why we have to have it. Uh, NBA people who are like, college basketball sucks. How could you like this more? And college basketball people who are like, NBA sucks. How could you – anybody not like this? And, like, I love basketball. I I just love sports in general. I don't know why we have to do the whole please like my sport or please hate this other sport. I don't really get it. I think you can like both. But for – if there is a knock against the NBA and it's postseason, if you're comparing it to March Madness – it's like you can almost always predict who's going to win or be in the NBA finals. It's yeah. every now and then there are a couple of games that surprise you, or maybe a couple of series that surprise you, but the NBA playoffs by and large are rarely surprising. Maybe the heat making the finals last year is a, is an example of the the, the contrary, but you, you can almost always pick out who's going to win. It feels like a cast system and that's just the way it is. Um, I, I would love to have an NHL team in Louisville. I think hockey could be a really cool thing here. I love the Ice Hawks back in the day and the River Frogs back in the day. I think that would be a whole lot of fun. As far as the name, I mean, let's bring the Ice Hawks back. Logo was great, name was great, team was great. I'd love an Louisville Ice Hawks NHL team here.
1: Oh, I, I you got to go with the River Frogs. I mean, the the River Frogs, like that, everything about the River Frogs experience was just wild. Remember they had, like, the hot tub right outside the glass, like, fans to go <laughs> sit in the hot tub? Like, all I remember, I was like, I feel like I actually went to a decent amount of games. I'm like, how much did, like, my parents or, like, my grade school friend parents have, like, nothing to do, that they're dragging us to Broadbent Arena to, like, sit in the <laughs> upper section for River Frogs game on a Friday night. But, um, no, I will say this. I mean, as I moved to Columbus. It's almost been three years now. I don't want to say I wasn't into hockey but I wasn't nearly into it but now that I'm here and I've I've gone to games it is an absolute game changer it's so much fun it would be so awesome for the city for it to happen there's a lot to do downtown by the arena obviously and it's just uh hockey games in person they're just they're awesome like they're so underrated
0: I, if you haven't been to one I highly suggest uh putting on your to-do list yeah my Long-lasting memory of the, the River Frogs experience was I went to a game. My, one of my older brothers is obsessed with hockey, like plays. Uh, he's a diehard Colorado Avalanche fan, was a big Quebec Nordiques fan. He's the reason why I'm an Avalanche fan. But he took me to a River Frogs game when I was still pretty young, and it was like the most boring hockey game of all time. No goals scored, nothing. It was a 0-0 tie. And as we are walking out, this dude who probably weighed 700 pounds it goes – No goals, no fights. Fuck you! Bring me out here for (laughs) (laughs) Dale. And Oliver, who's like just desperate to see hockey take off in Louisville, was just like, "God damn it!" He's like, "He's like, this is what I was dreading." He's like, "This is this is not what I wanted to happen." But that's how I'll always remember the River Frogs. No goals, no fights. Um, Ryan says, "How do you respond to people who say Gonzaga sucks just because they haven't won a title? They're acting like making a Final Four is meaningless, and it bums me out." Yeah, this is. I think people were like – had a couple people kind of giving me shit for being like, oh, you love Gonzaga. Like, what? I don't love Gonzaga. I've got no affinity for Gonzaga other than, like, they were fun to watch. I think – I like Mark Few. I think he's done a good job building that program. But it does annoy me, this whole notion that it, it's such a lazy, lazy take to say, Gonzaga sucks, they're going to choke, they choke every year, they don't play in a real conference, so they're never going – like, it's just – It flies in the face of all logic. They're the only program, and I know if you've read stuff I've written, this is just me repeating myself, they're the only program that's been to six straight Sweet Sixteens. They're one of only four programs to do that ever. The other three are UCLA, North Carolina, and Duke. They've won at least one game in the tournament each of the last 12 years. They've been to 20 straight tournaments. And for everybody who's like, they always are a one or a two seed, and they always get beat by a shitty team, they always flame out, they've been to 22 straight NCAA tournaments. They've played to their seed level or beyond 16 times. That's way better than than Duke, than UNC, than Louisville, um, than Kentucky. They they just haven't won a national championship. And I I do think that – I get why some people are frustrated when the national you know sports writer people it feels like they're shoving Gonzaga down your throat because I think that people who watch Gonzaga and pay attention to this stuff. They get annoyed when the people who only watch college basketball after the football's over come on, and they're like, well, Gonzaga sucks. I don't need to watch him play to know anything. And you're like, well, you you can't just say that. (laughs) You haven't seen this team play. It's a lazy narrative. It's a lazy take. And I I think that in turn, maybe college basketball people go a little bit overboard with Gonzaga. The whole, like, are they the best team ever? You know, could they beat 91 UNLV? I, I think maybe that rubs people the wrong way. I don't know. It's strange to me that they've become such a hot-button topic. But people love to hate Gonzaga now.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's too many, like, Skip Baylesses and Max Kellermans out there that people watch where now they feel like they have to have, you know, the the greatest hot take of all time. It's just such a lazy narrative. I, I, I hate it. The same people are saying this, we're probably saying, you know, the Pac-12, sucks in basketball, yet they had, like, half the Elite Eight teams. Um, I mean, there's a difference between not watching Gonzaga on a regular basis and just, you know, sprouting off that they flame out every year. I mean, there isn't one team that would have, you know, maybe someone would have kept competitive with Baylor last night, but, I mean, it it wasn't just Gonzaga. Baylor was – they were dominant. They were dominant pretty much all year except when they had COVID. So, it was nothing about them. It was more about Baylor than it was Gonzaga. So um, it's just such a lazy narrative. And, you know, the people that say, it. I don't know, do your research.
0: I also love that, you know, the other big takeaway this year was, well, they got a, a dream draw to the Final Four. They didn't have to play the best teams in their region. And you know, they beat a six seed in the Elite Eight and a five seed in the Sweet 16. It's like, oh, they played uh, They two seed in their region was Iowa who they kicked the shit out of in the regular season. The three seed was Kansas, who they kicked the shit out of in the regular season. The four seed was Virginia, who they kicked the shit out of in the regular season. They beat everybody who was good in their region who ended up getting upset. So that argument sort of loses, I think, a lot of steam. It just is, it is what it is. But I mean, know, if you watch Jalen Sons, and, that's, and, I mean... Sort if, of thing. Yeah, Lucky, it, it having Papa John and Matt Bevan on the board of trustees at of a bad move. Well... Bevin wasn't on the board. He just appointed a bunch of people on the board, and, yeah, they, they were – it was bad. It was a bad, <laughs> it was a bad board. Yeah, uh, I don't the, so know much debate about it. Um, let's see here. Josh says, do you think Andre McGee is still an Uber driver? What do you think, Dan?
1: That's that's a tough question.
0: Um,
1: I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope uh, – I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't want – he ruined our program. I don't want to be a mean guy, um, and I, I listened to Russ's interview with uh, Jeff Greer, and I know Russ, you know, he 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 didn't really get into it, but I, I think he still has somewhat of a relationship with with Andre. Um, but I don't know. I, I I couldn't tell you if he's going to be an Uber or if he's still an Uber driver or not, but. I hope he he doesn't come anywhere near
0: the basketball program anytime soon. That's what I'll
1: say.
0: It's honestly impressive how like out of the the, the spotlight Andre McGee has stayed. Yeah, like, the, the one time we've heard from him since the, all the thing all the stuff went down in you know, fall of 2015 was that who was it uh, the guy from ESPN the weird dude who is always crying about stuff like remember he like swarmed him in his Uber and was like hey Andre. Got time to talk outside the lines here. And, like, McGee's like, please get out. Like, like, how did you find me? Like, please just, I've got nothing to say. Like, that's the one time that we've seen him in the last six years, really. Yeah.
1: I forget who that guy was. I remember, like, during that whole saga, I felt like he was all over ESPN. But, um, yeah, man, I don't know. there's, There's rumors he's still out in the Kansas City area, but I have no idea.
0: This is a great question from Joe. I want to hear your take on this. Why are there pickles on chicken sandwiches? Oh
1: my gosh, phenomenal question! Because I McDonald's, if I'm getting uh, you know a burger, obviously I get no pickle. At Chick Fil A, I don't say no pickle, but they come on there and I take them right off. Um, I feel like there is a like fifty-fifty draw a line in the sand between pickle people on sandwiches and non-pickle, and I'm totally a no-pickle guy.
0: Why don't you just say no pickles? Why do you? I I don't know. uh, Chick-fil-A,
1: that's a good question. I probably shouldn't say no pickles. (laughs) um, Are you intimidated for the the Chick-fil-A? All right, this is what I'll say. I hate pickles, but if I had to eat a pickle, the ones at Chick-fil-A are a lot better than the ones at McDonald's.
0: So you would rather have a pickle on your sandwich that you have to take off that you don't like – then just well, my, my, all
1: right. Here you go. You ready? Romance yeah. Dan here. My, my 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 wife loves pickles, so I just hand it right over to the wife. Yeah, you should have led with that.
0: I don't I don't I don't believe that that's the whole reason. Now I don't, I don't believe it. I don't get why I never knew that like pickles and chicken were a thing until very recently because they're now all the hot chicken places they have with pickles. I just don't like pickles. Period. So that's that's a me thing, but whatever. I, I don't really get it. I don't know why it's a thing, but. Clearly, some people enjoy it. Uh, Another food question, Brian says, are you guys crunchy or smooth peanut butter guys? (sighs) I'm a crunchy peanut butter guy. I don't eat peanut
1: butter a ton, but if I do, um, I'm a crunchy guy for sure. My wife, like, she gets our kids, like, the organic, like, creamy, so that's why I probably never eat it. But if I had a preference, I'm not a peanut butter jelly guy. I'm just a plain peanut
0: butter sandwich guy. Uh, um, but I'd prefer the crunchy peanut butter. I, I'm good with either. I, I'm not picky on peanut butter. I go through phases. I can Whatever you buy, I'm going to eat. I like peanut butter. Uh, Trey Sosa says, again, I'm asking this because for some reason it wasn't brought up on the last pod, but wouldn't you agree that saving Silverman was the biggest Oscar snub of our generation and over under on how many days until they announced Coach Roy to UofL in assistant position? I like Saving Silverman. I think it's a good movie. Total Oscar stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm with Trey.
1: So here's the thing about Saving Silverman. You're going to, like, dog on me for this. Like, I feel like I barely remember it. Like, I know I watched it at one point, but I was talking to my brother about this. He's like, oh, my God, do yourself a favor. He's like, it still holds <laughs> up. He's like, it is unbelievable. So I feel like I need to give it a rewatch, or maybe I just didn't appreciate it at the time. Um, so that's on me. I feel like I usually keep up with comedies and that's one that's kind of escaped me.
0: I like it a lot. I I agree that I don't think it's as rewatchable as some of the other comedies that are are sort of the same off, uh, from that time, but I'm still, I'm pro saving. So it's, it's a good movie. Uh, let's see here. Um, any chance that next year is max last. And what do you think the record in football will be this year? Will Cunningham still be the starter by the end of the year? no i don't think that no chance that it's chris max last year his contract won't allow for that i mean it would ha- it would take a complete disaster for a them a calipari type season really um, even maybe even worse than that like you'd have to yeah. have court stuff tossed in there um something like cincinnati yeah. maybe like like i think that w- so i won't say no chance but like 95% chance that this is not chris max last year football record is weird because and obviously we've got seven months to talk about this shit, but I don't think anybody knows what to do with this global football team because 2019 Satterfield's first year was the year we were all were expecting three or four wins. We get eight. Last year we're expecting eight, nine, ten wins. We get four. But now I feel like everybody is kind of splitting the difference and saying six, six, seven, and five, five, and seven, somewhere along there. I, I'm kind of with them. I'll say six and six. And I, I do think Malik Cunningham will still be the starter by the end of the year. I mean, do you have a overall just base prediction for football? Uh,
1: This is what I'll say. Um, Scott Satterfield seems like a routine guy. And I have a feeling that COVID kind of ruined his whole off season mojo routine, whatever he had going last year. So I'm glad that the team is getting a normal off season because um, he seems like he's a pretty good developer of players. So, I uh, I'm looking forward to the season. Obviously, I don't think it can get as bad as it was last year. Um, but with that being said, I, I I couldn't really tell you just because of you know I I, I know there's new guys coming in on defense. Um, but I would just be guessing at this point how good they're going to be, but I think they will be better than last year, knock on wood.
0: I love that we have this question immediately after the last question from versus do Cardinal fans realize that their impatience with Mac is unwarranted after watching this year's tourney. Uh, have a seat little boys and girls tournament success is never a guarantee to answer the question. Uh, clearly, no. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> we're Obviously. asking if
1: going to be fired in year you
0: know, four. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't think that that's, that message is getting through. But it is. I mean, I, I guess you're looking at Scott Drew and saying, look what he did after 17 years, 18 years. And that was a way worse situation than what Chris Mack was walking into. I, I don't
1: think our fan base has 18 years of patience. I'll no. say that. But, um, no, I, I, I get what you're saying.
0: I think the thing, though, as far as – and I, I get why the fan base isn't overly patient right now, and maybe it's just frustrated is the, the more apt word. We don't know what's going to happen with this NCA stuff. And when I say we don't know what's going to happen, I don't just mean we don't know what punishment's coming. We don't know when this is going to happen. Like, it's just – it's so annoying to have this always there. It's just this perpetual dark cloud that just won't go away. Uh, it's just – it keeps us from being able to know what standard we need to be holding the head coach to, and that's not going to change anytime soon, it doesn't seem you, like.
1: You know what else is a little frustrating? It seems like, and we just saw it with Roy Williams this week, he retires. They're bringing in Hubert Davis. We know that Bayheim is getting up there in age, although he made a nice tournament run this year. We know Coach K is getting up there. So it seems like some of these bigger name programs in the conference might be turning over a little bit and there's going to be a window open for other teams to kind of step up and take the conference by storm. But we have this cloud hanging over our head that is just kind of hindering us from being able to maybe possibly take that next step. So I think that's why to me it makes it even more frustrating. Yeah, it's, yeah,
0: it, everything is frustrating right now. Um, very next question. If you had to get rid of one, would it be Mac or Sad? I mean. Jesus, guys. <laughs> all right, now I mean, there's no point answering that. It's just. Yeah. It's, it is Just, it is. Just
1: roll with what you have and just, I mean, if you're always looking on the outside, I mean, it's just like it's going to be a miserable experience as a fan because, I don't know, I mean, like, every once in a while, I mean, for football, I know we've had a lot of coaching turnover and sometimes, like, the hiring process can be fun for a couple of days and it turns stressful, but like, it's just exhausting. Like just appreciate the coaches that we have. I know sat flirted with South Carolina. So that makes it a little bit like, well, why are we supposed to appreciate him if he's looking at other schools? But you know, I'm just looking forward now. I'm, I'm looking forward to the football season. I'm looking forward to, to Chris Mack getting the program on track and, and getting us to where we're supposed to be.
0: Dude, we've said this before on the pod, I know, but We've never needed just a spark of some sort, like just a jolt of energy from something more than we've needed it right now. Like the, this would be the perfect year for Dan McDonald to get over the hump and yes. you win know, the College World Series. Like that, we need something to hold on to. It would have been great for the women to make the Final Four and, and win a national title there. But just with you know, they played to their expectations again this year, which is it's it's fine. Like that that's that's good but you've got that going on you've got the men's basketball team again being in this state of flux you've got the football team just kind of being whatever um nobody really knows what to expect we just we need something because the fans right now are just listless and it's it's a combination of a bunch of different factors but we need something really good to happen uh really soon barkeep says is it time for the power 5 to break away from the ncaa um i think i i think there's another thing i said on the pod before it's just it's not going to happen. Like it's not, it's not going to happen anytime soon. Because right now, the conferences, the power conferences especially, they've got somebody to point the finger at. They've got somebody to handle the lawsuits. They've got, and it's also worth repeating, the NCAA is not just this big overriding body of outside influences. The NCAA is made up of all the institutions. It, it, the schools are the NCAA. And the good thing about having the NCA is it's a shield from all a lot of these, these specific schools. If the Power Six conferences were to break away, all of a sudden every lawsuit that comes up over a player who has an eligibility concern or this name, image, likeness stuff, it's now on the university presidents and the conference commissioners to handle all that stuff. They don't want to deal with that. Like the NCAA handles all that right now. The punishments would have to come from the, the schools themselves, the, the conferences themselves. And so I think because of that, you're not going to see the NC the conferences break away unless things just get completely untenable, which hey, I mean maybe could happen, but it's not going to happen right now. Can we just get rid of Mark Emmert
1: I mean, I mean whatever
0: that's I mean I think that's what
1: everybody wants like in the entire world, and it sounds like even people inside you know university university presidents athletic directors they're losing faith as well, so I think that would just be a, a nice compromise if we could get rid
0: of Mark Emmert. Phil says, if you could add any player from Last Chance U to the L basketball team, who would it be? K.J. Allen. No oh, K.J., 100%.
1: I'm, I, I mean, I should have plowed through this. I'm only four episodes in. It is such a good show. It really is. It's it's phenomenal. If you haven't watched it, I, I know you've watched the whole thing. Um, I couldn't recommend it more.
0: It's so good. And I won't say anything about you know, schools. I don't want to give anything away, so we'll leave it right there. But, I would add KJ Allen. No question about it. Uh, Steven says, what are your thoughts on the Cardinal Chomp? Remember the Cardinal Chomp? The, it was like the, the thing for one week. Shout out to my guy Trevor Jolston for making it happen. Cardinal Chomp forever. I love it. Why can't I – what is the Cardinal Chomp? What is, I don't even remember that. What they, is it? They make it a tradition where that you paint your, your arms yellow so it creates like kind of a beak, and then like you make this chomping. Oh, gest. yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. I guess, yeah, I remember that was – Hot for like you said about a week, but I didn't know it was actually called the Cardinal Chop.
0: Yeah, we're we're bringing it back. It's gonna happen. Um, Hoops Insight, which by the way, follow Hoops Insight. They always have great stuff. Their their in depth look at both U of L and U K is awesome. If you could pick any player from Baylor or Gonzaga to transfer to U of L, who would it be? I think that's a good question. Um, are we ruling out like guys that are like superstars? No. Any, okay. I, I, I'm taking Jalen Suggs.
1: Yeah, so am I. I mean, that's a to me, it's an obvious answer. It would be Jalen Suggs in a heartbeat. That guy is amazing.
0: JT says, did Louisville reach out to Devin? Ask you, or did his father reach out to U of L and was told no thanks? Uh, his father, I didn't even know this was a hot button hot button issue until like yesterday. I saw all these the UK U people going back and forth. I thought this was kind of known. Yeah, his dad reached out to U of L assistants multiple times to try and get Devin to come here. I don't know. I couldn't tell you what was said um, after that. I couldn't tell you what's going on right now. But I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that, yeah, his, his dad reached out to L, and L wasn't the only school that he reached out to during the actual season. Um, would you want Devin Askew added to this roster, Dan? No. Only only because,
1: <laughs> A, I mean, he, he had, like, I mean, it's not like he only got, like, a limited shot at UK like Johnny Juzang did. I mean, he had ample, you know, games and minutes to prove himself last year, and like, he was not ready at all. That's not saying he can't get better, but if he, if he comes in, A, the fan base is going to absolutely erupt, um, you know, from both sides, negative for us and positive for Kentucky. Um, and I just I think he's going to take a little longer to develop. I see him going back out
0: west to where he's from to maybe a USC or a UCLA. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that's probably going to going to be what happens there. And hey, it worked for Johnny Juzang, so why not try to follow that route? That guy uh,
1: was he was my favorite ugly. player in the tournament. He was unbelievable. I, I absolutely love that guy.
0: Jake said, "Are we going all in on Noah Locke? My God, I hope so. Like that's I mean, I I am lukewarm at best about. Some of the transfers that we're targeting right now, as you may have noticed, I would love. I think Noah Lock would be perfect for this year's, for next year's team. He's the he's the one guy that I would really, really be happy about if he came here. It was Carly Jones last year. It's Noah Lock for me this year. Um, let's see here. Turquoise Turtles says Big Lebowski, half baked, or Grandma's boy. Ooh, I'm a Grandma's boy. (laughs) I'm a Grandma's
1: boy guy. Um. I don't know. The first time I watched Grandma's Boy, I thought I had an ulcer. I was laughing so hard. I think the Big Lebowski, like, over time is considered the classic, but uh, Grandma's Boy does it every
0: time for me. I I knew you were going to say Grandma's Boy. I'm Big Lebowski. I I love it. It doesn't get old for me. It's very quotable. It it has only grown finer with time. I I like Grandma's Boy, too. I like Half-Baked, too, but I'm going Big Lebowski. All right. You guys asked a, a ton of questions, but I know we've rambled on too long. We'll try to get to some uh, on the next pod, which, by the way, apologies for not being around last week. I'm going to have to apologize again for this is going to be the only pod this week because uh, driving to Florida with a one-year-old through the night, coming up here in a couple of days for a, a quick little uh, four-day getaway. So, oh, uh, man. We, uh, yeah, can't wait. It, it's going to need wonderful. live
1: live footage of Virginia in the
0: backseat. Well, my God, it's going to be – be <laughs> Vacation is one word to use to describe it, but uh, it is what it is. Do you have a Dan of the Dump story for this week, Dan? Uh,
1: this week, no. I'll have one for next week. Um, it's been a pretty, uh, it's been pretty positive around here, so nothing bad really happened.
0: I had a, like, my only Mike in the Mud story. We had a Domino's fiasco over the weekend, Domino's disaster, but it's a boring story. It just, and they fucked up our order. It was annoying, but it did remind me of, one of my favorite stories, not a Mike in the Mud story, not a sad story, but a story from our freshman year of college. It's one of those deals where if we could have this audio right now, I think it would be just, I'd listen to it every day. But do you remember um, the voicemail that two of our friends who were living together in their dorms got from the Domino's delivery guy freshman year of college at Dayton?
1: <laughs> and now that you bring it up, I, I don't remember specifically what the voicemail said, but I remember it being hilarious.
0: So every time I get dominoes now, I think about this story, and I've got to tell it. But, so we are, we are so old that kids listening to this right now probably have no frame of reference. But we, when we went to college, every dorm room still had a landline phone, right? You had your own phone. You had a a answering machine, basically. We didn't use the phones that much, but we used them for some things. The big one was, like, we had cell phones, but they just, they weren't as ubiquitous as they are now. But we would use our phones to call for pizza late night. It was, you know, you get drunk, you go out to the, the student neighborhood at Dayton, you come back, you stumble in, you get pizza, you eat, you pass out. That was the, the, the classic routine. But also, like the pizza people would just wander around the student neighborhood, like selling pizzas for five bucks. So if you didn't come get your pizza after you ordered it, it was going to be fun. So our friends, two guys we meet from Chicago, shout out to Greg Hodge, Greg Moore, they're, they're never listening. <laughs> we love them. They, ordered pizza one night, passed out, and woke up to four different messages on their answering machine from the Domino's guy. And, I mean, the just the buildup was... I'll do my best here to recreate. So the first message comes in, and it's like 11.41 p.m. And this guy's like, Hey, guys, it's Tommy from
1: Domino's.
0: (laughs) Got your pie. It's red hot, ready to go, ready for you to come down here and get it. Uh, Come down and see me whenever you can. And then it was like, 11.55 11.55 p.m. And it was like, hey guys, Tommy from Domino's, still down here, uh, whenever you can, I got your pie, it's ready for you, come on down and see me guys. And then it was like, 12.05 a.m. It's like, Tommy from Domino's here, uh, you guys, uh, get, get down here whenever you can, uh, holding this pie for you, but I'm gonna have to give it away pretty soon if you guys don't get back with me. Uh, again, this is, uh, Tommy from Domino's. And then it was like, 12.15 a.m. Hey guys, it's Tommy. Domino's. It's gone, man. It's, uh, it's, it's gone. I, I had to give it away. If you if you want another call, you can to give us a call back and I'll come back here as soon as you can. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And that was no. it. Uh, now that you bring that up,
1: I do oh remember my that. My my, Not to ramble on, but the one domino story I had was like, this was like 10 years ago. They had that new special crust. It was like a garlic tasting crust. And my, bro- my brother went to pick up a Domino's pizza. He's like, tell me about this new garlic crust. And this guy was like, oh, man, it ain't nothing special. We just dip our brush in garlic sauce and wipe it on the crust. That's it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's like, all right, thanks. Oh, God. I mean, we would, freshman year of college, we would get hammered and come back and listen to those voicemails, like, every weekend. Just Domino's, man. It's gone, man. I mean, just like, this guy was acting like he had broken the heart of his best friend. And it was just beautiful. It was just wonderful. Uh, Again, reminding you guys, if you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it. Also, give us a rating. Leave us a review if you can. It really helps us out. We always love to read the reviews to try and uh, give you a little bit of a nudge to make that happen. A couple of new reviews here for this week. Uh, Shauna says, come for the Louisville Sports Insight. Stay for Mike and Dan's tales of being millennial dads. Dan of the dumps and references to saved by the bell or the things that they were up to in high school that for sure weren't embarrassing at all. Yeah. That's pretty accurate. That's accurate. Yep. Uh, Mike says, I listened to the show to and from work. So sometimes I listen in parts. I left it on after picking up my daughters from dance uh, after work. And it was right when motherfucker was dropped twice. Oh man. I turned it off as her eyes widened and I laughed. Great podcast. Love the insights into the program and the inside information. It also helps that we have similar thoughts on the programs, too. I haven't found myself disagreeing yet. The jokes, the questions from listeners, the references to shows from when we were younger are an added bonus. All great value. Keep up the good work. Thanks, guys. We, we appreciate the good reviews. But, again, if you want to leave stupid reviews or bad reviews, we'll read those, too. But we just always appreciate listener feedback. Um, any parting thoughts here, Dan? I know we've, we've talked long enough here. Do you just want to get out of here? No.
1: Let's, let's hope the Louisville baseball team. I, I, I know. Maybe not the start they wanted of this season. Um I, I think it's improved a little bit. But I feel like they usually start to turn it on kind of right before regional play. So let's hope they they get things in gear. And um
0: I'm looking forward to, you know, knock on wood, hopefully watch them in the postseason. Yeah, we've got Cards versus Cats tonight, actually, the first uh, Battle of the Bluegrass game. Hopefully we can get it done and we will talk more baseball moving forward. Also get back, uh, we'll, we'll bring Keith back on. I know I've been trying to get him on for a couple of weeks to talk football and the changes there in spring practice. Uh, but we're heading into the the spring and summer edition of the Louisville Sports Calendar. We'll try to bring you as much fun stuff as possible in the months to come. Again, no more pods this week because I'm going to be in Florida. Um, so they would be just awful if, if we tried to do one. So we won't do that. But we will get back next. We can get back into the flow. But until you hear from us, go Cards.
1: Go Cards.